In this episode of Octal FM, Jalada and Sefrin discuss the state of artificial intelligence and machine learning. What is it? What isn't it? And why have AI technologies like this text-to-speech algorithm got so good recently? Hello and welcome to another episode of Voxel FM. I'm Sefran. And I'm Gelada. And today we're going to have a bit of a, another different discussion actually. We have some more off-the-wall discussions recently, haven't we? Mm. Uh, and we're going to be discussing AI and a lot of information reg- around it as well. Sort of, as you wrote in the, in the notes there, pulling back the curtains on it a little bit as well. Yes, absolutely. And I'm going to sort of draw a little bit on my experience as a software developer doing stuff around machine learning and AI. So we're really going to focus on a lot of the sort of practical stuff around AI and the sort of like today and now and what's going on, rather than the sort of pie in the sky kind of sci-fi thinking around AI. Because yes. I think... What, even, what is even happening right now is, is super interesting and exciting. Um, so it's definitely a, a, a topic with lots to talk about. I mean, what's happening right now is, is very much the sci-fi of like 15, 20 years ago, in fairness. Absolutely. And although it may not be quite that sort of like magical aspect of things that maybe people think about when they think AI, it's still really exciting and it has a lot of applications, both on a micro scale, like for you, like in your phone or on your computer or something, but also on a much larger scale as well, Mm. uh, which we'll discuss too. Yeah. And so I think it's probably worth giving a bit of of a definition as well of AI, because I think that it's this quite, it's this very kind of broad sort of term that's used a lot and and there's a lot of, of really of, of hype around it right as a as a as a topic i think it's become very it's buzzword isn't it media hyped and yeah and sort of and, and you know it's very headliney and stuff like that and really for a start the concept of of artificial intelligence has been around for a very very long time not just in sci-fi but also even just in in computer science and as a and as a sort of research topic if you like and really it's it's all about making computers and machines imitate human intelligence in some way. And that typically tends to be around things like um, vision. So like what can what can you see or around reasoning and understanding and comprehending something? Because computers are very good at adding things up and stuff like that, but they're not necessarily so good at human intelligence style. Yeah, like making problems. logic leaps. Right, exactly, and that's because they're computers, right? Like they're they're ones and zeros. They're they're not they're not you know mushy brains. Yeah, and really, the key thing, in my opinion, anyway, for when it comes to artificial intelligence, is about decision making. So, mm. a computer or a machine being able to make a decision that appears to be human like, or is it seems like it is an intelligent decision, and when you think about that as a definition, then that's it's quite broad and it's not the sort of buzzwordy or sort of hypey version of artificial artificial intelligence it's actually the useful form of artificial intelligence because yeah. having a computer be able to make decisions that seem human like and based on its surroundings and inputs that it receives is a very very valuable thing and very mm. useful and can really really enrich our our lives 
it, it it's all about streamlining and making things mm, more exactly. efficient it, it, it's not about what we're going to talk about next which is the idea of uh, ai taking over the world or you know mm. getting access to nuclear codes or something it's about making decisions that are very useful but also very simple decisions as well for for example one of the things you mentioned was it's the idea of like uh, being able to look at uh, an image like having vision right. on something and making a decision of is this a vi- is this a picture of a teddy bear or an actual bear Right. You know, exactly. And then being able to categorize those and rather than it just going, well, I think it's this, but I'm not sure, but actually making the decision and then that being what you then assume from then on. Right, exactly. And you'll often hear um, artificial intelligence be used relatively interchangeably with a thing called machine learning, which mm. is really just exactly what it sounds like. It's it's about computers being able to learn and it's really just a type of statistics and a type of maths um it's not really anything anything crazy and it's basically around being able to as you just described you know what you described is 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 a classic machine learning thing where you can take an input like an image and make a prediction or some kind of or some kind of classification or understanding and the machine does it based on similar information it has received before so in your example where the computer's making a decision is it a teddy bear or a real bear it is doing that based on seeing ten thousand images five thousand of which you've told it are a teddy bear and five thousand you've told it are a real bear and then you say okay what about this one yeah and the computer makes a decision based on it has learnt the you know what a what a bear is and what a um, what a teddy bear is and what a real bear is based on the data that you've given it. it instead of you telling it necessarily okay well a bear is like this color and it looks mm. a little bit like this and it's got this and you know you you're the machine is doing the learning right and that doesn't mean it knows what a teddy bear or a real bear is it right. has no concept of those whatsoever exactly it just knows that that one that on that picture is classified as a teddy bear and that one on that picture is classified as a bear and that's all, that's all there is and that is a really 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 important distinction between what artificial intelligence is and what it isn't and we are never I don't know if we will ever reach that point of a computer, of you showing a picture to a computer and not only does it say, oh, that's a teddy bear, but it's also like, and I know exactly what a teddy bear is because, you know, even though you've just told it about photos. Um, And that's because that's just not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about artificial intelligence and, and there's a big difference between that and what people deem artificial general intelligence. And what general Mm. intelligence is, is for the ability for a particular machine or computer to do anything a human can. So not rather than a very specific thing, because the whole point about AI is that it's not common sense. It's always purpose specific. Yes. You know, you've got to remember that we're talking under fundamentally, we're talking about algorithms here, right? We're just talking mm-hmm. about statistics and numbers. And if you have something based out of statistics and numbers that is designed to classify what a teddy bear is versus a real bear. I, it's funny how we've really latched onto that example. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be able to tell you, you know, what the weather's going to be like tomorrow 
or is it raining today or like what's your name you know it, it's it's going it has a particular task because it's an algorithm designed yeah. to do a specific thing just like a calculator is designed to take in numbers and add them up and give you another number you know you wouldn't expect your calculator to be able to print a word document for you it's a calculator um and it's the same with artificial intelligence and i guess it's also sort of th- it's the difference really between intelligent behavior and actual intelligence because yeah. remember when i when we started and we said like what is the definition it's about doing things that seem to be human intelligence rather than actually being human intelligence does that make sense absolutely and although that makes it sound far less mystical and amazing <laughs> it's by no means less useful and no. in a way it's almost more useful because it's essentially a tool it's a new tool absolutely it's, it's the equivalent of having you know your calculator being able to work out a mathematics sum for you but now rather than it just being able to work out maths it's able to work out distinctions between pictures or distinctions in audio or looking at patterns like for example you could use it to look at the pattern like we were just discussing in the the pre-show notes patterns in like a star formation uh, and being able to work out whether that's a new type of star or it's an exoplanet or something like that and just because it can't it doesn't know what those are, it doesn't mean it's not useful. In fact, it's very useful. Exactly. I think you're exactly right. It, it, it's great to describe it as a tool and, and sort of draw that paradigm to, to a tool like a calculator. And you say, okay, this is just a different set of tools and a different set of ways that we can use machines to, to enrich our lives and to, and to improve things. Um, and it's interesting because... None, as I said earlier, none of this stuff is new, right? Like a lot of the a lot of the artificial intelligence mm-hmm. and the stuff that we're doing and the machine learning that we're doing, there have been some incremental improvements which we'll come on to, but generally speaking, this is all you know stuff that has existed for a long time, not just in sci-fi books but also in reality. But mm. the thing is, is that we're there's a few reasons why AI and machine learning is now becoming more part of everything rather than it just being the met office predicting the weather using yeah. artificial intelligence and, and and you know models for weather we're now seeing artificial intelligence talking back to you when you use alexa when you tell it to tell you a joke you know or or you ask mm-hmm. it a question about something very simple and mundane it's becoming much more part of everything that we interact with or yeah. more and more things that we interact with have some kind of artificial intelligence in them so that they can make decisions for us that are Hmm. seemingly intelligent and it's not taking the decision away from us it's just optimizing and it's just doing instead of us having to do quite so much and tell a computer exactly i want you to do this i need you to do this blah 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 it can make some decisions for us that are intelligent decisions yeah, it takes the legwork out of computering, right. basically, exactly. if, that, if that makes sense. Yeah. It, it streamlines the process. It's like being able to add, you know, nice, smooth, round wheels to a cart rather than to push a really awkward cart up a hill sort of thing. Exactly, exactly. Uh, it really makes everything flow much simpler. Um, and there's a few reasons that we're seeing this, isn't there? And weirdly, we've, we kind of touched on a few of these points in our previous episodes, talking about things like the voice assistants and stuff like that. 
Um, mm. And it's basically just improvements to already existing technologies. Like, there's nothing fancy here. There's nothing, like, new and, like, m- you know, mold-breaking here. It's just refinement of a system, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of... There's really... I, I kind of distill it in my opinion, and this is really just my opinion. I think that there's really three things that have sort of changed over the last few years that are not major and they're not huge and they're not kind of specific even really to AI. One of them is that we have seen some new research into AI. Most importantly, really, and the one that you will have heard about in headlines, and actually this is probably what's, this is having quite a big impact. And that's around this concept of something called deep learning and we talked about machine learning right and we said that you know machine learning is where given a whole bunch of examples you can make a machine understand something you know based on training it on on previous circumstances and what deep learning is is basically taking that and almost like feeding it back on itself so instead of you providing the inputs and then the computer and that you know and you sort of doing the training the computer and the algorithm kind of trains itself mm. there's a particularly uh, common example which is um, AlphaGo which is the set of programs that beats uh, the top Go players at Go uh, and that was really a lot of that was really down to deep learning and what it essentially is is it's, you use a sort of combination and a hierarchy of different learning methods so for example One of the most common um, and the one that's used in AlphaGo is a thing called a neural network, which is exactly how it sounds. It's a very, very rudimentary model of the human brain. Very, Mm. very rudimentary. Um, It's actually really really just like multiplications chained together with some numbers, some hidden numbers in between. The way it was simplified for me, because I understand it with less technically than you do, not coming from that sort of like that field, is it's the idea of having like a million marbles all dropped through a million different holes and filtered into different ways. And those sort of uh, results kind of pattering out at the end and seeing what was the most likely results every time and doing that a hundred million times sort of thing. Maybe not that much, but that idea. Exactly, exactly that. And so you take AlphaGo essentially took um, those neural networks and sort of chained them together. So instead of just having one neural network that makes a decision, you have a neural network that's feeding data into another one, that's feeding data into another one, and you sort of have them all playing out together. And then the whole system is making, you know, reasons and reasons and judgments based on the outputs of all of those systems put together. And what's really key there with that improvement and that addition of this of this concept of deep learning, that has really required two things that we now have. Um, one of them is that, and we always, I feel like we always bring this up whenever we talk mm-hmm. about technology, is that computers have got better. <laughs> like yeah. things have got faster. And, you know, we said that a lot of this stuff comes from the 60s and or, or 60s and 70s, you know, a long time ago. And the thing was, was that those algorithms and those sort of ideas and, and techniques that were developed a long time ago were really, really slow to run on computers from the time. A lot of it was theoretical. It was like, well, if we had something that could do this computation a billion times, then we'd be able yeah. to, you know, have a system that does X. And now but it just we wasn't have, possible at yeah, all. Right, exactly. It was completely impossible. But now we have systems that can do those those things and do, and do all of those calculations so you know and we've reached that point where so much so we can combine them 
see deep learning, right? Like that's, yes. that's like that's the whole point of it. You know, and so that has really made a huge difference, as it always does, right? Computers get better, they can do more things, we can throw more stuff at them, and they can get better. And the other thing that you mentioned as to me, and again, we've touched on this a few times as well, it's all well and good having the ability to run these numbers, but if you've not got the numbers to run in the first place, it's all kind of useless. Yeah. And that's the other thing that we've now got a lot more access to, which is the idea of like big data, like almost infinite amount of data right on basically every known top topic because yeah. everything in modern life is is digitized now everything is quantified on a computer it's it's all sitting there like your your phone record records your browsing history if you want to look at it like that patterns of the weather you use for example like earlier like all of that is, is captured on a computer and that can now all be fed into these now very powerful computers with these you know old but now possible algorithms Exactly, exactly. And a lot of that is, and again, we talk about this all the time, a lot of that is down to the internet, you know, the internet being so prevalent. And, you know, as we all use the internet all the time, we're all creating data constantly. And we're all taking, taking photos on devices that are internet connected. And we're all using the internet to communicate with each other and stuff like that. You know, that's just a huge pool of information for computers mm. to learn from um, and not in a not necessarily in a creepy way you know it, people traditionally think of that as a, as a creepy thing but actually it's it's making a difference to our lives because having that much data allows you to really build systems that can make much more intelligent decisions because mm -hmm. you've got so much more data and if you can make m much more intelligent decisions that's where you really start to have the big impact yeah definitely and that's been noticed as well by the people developing these systems and then implementing them into things as well. Uh, and that was sort of the, one of the things that made you want to discuss AI in the first place as well, which is sort of the big companies making AI more available right. and almost like making a tool set to use rather than it being something bespoke every time that someone wanted to use AI for a specific purpose. So I, I'll, I really like your example of like the Met Office, for example, uh, for weather predictions. Like, I mean, maybe they still would use their own bespoke sort of thing, but now you can imagine like a small startup would be able to go to some of these big companies, like uh, the one you've used the example of is Google, and use their sort of AI services to their benefit to do basically the same job yeah exactly this concept is what as you say really wanted me to talk about this and so and this is the sort of the really the peeling back the curtain of understanding why we're seeing ai in so many things now as a developer as a software developer a few years ago i would not have been able to build um, an app or a service that's can say um, understand a question that someone asks of it just by typing it in or by speaking at, to it or taking a photo of something you know i would not be able to build an app that can take a that you can you take a photo of something and it can make a decision about that photo because i would not have had access to all of the data that i need to correctly and accurately train something to do that and also i would not have had the computer power to build those systems and to and to mm. make them sophisticated and useful you know 
thinking back to the Met, you know, the the um, Met Office example, they've got supercomputers doing their doing their weather predictions, right? And as a person, I can't, I I have no way of of being able to build infrastructure that can do the same thing with the even if I had access to the data, I would need supercomputers. Yeah. But now in in 2018, I don't need to worry about that stuff because there are large companies that have built these systems like Google and Amazon and Microsoft and Apple to some extent. And they are opening them up to other people to freely use to build their own products and services on. And this is really what is key to the sort of explosion in artificial intelligence that we've seen. Um, And so, for example, you know, there are now a plethora of services that I can I can feed in the contents of this podcast episode and out of it will come a transcript that has yeah. been made by um, a system that has been trained on millions of podcast episodes to understand what a po- you know what a transcript of a podcast episode looks like and I don't need to do that I don't need to understand how that works necessarily I don't need to re- you know have access to millions of podcast episodes to you know to build those transcripts i don't need to work on any of that stuff because companies large companies like google and microsoft have all of that data already they've already trained the artificial intelligence system that can build transcripts and they can then make that available to me and the reason why you may be like well why do they do that why do they make it available why don't they why is that you know, why is that something that they do? And the reason is, is because Google doesn't want to build a podcast transcript service. <laughs> they want no. to build, you know, the most generic one. And so it's in their interests to open that up to people because every podcast episode that I sent to Google to convert into a transcript for me is more data, right? It's yeah. more data for Google to use. And we said that that's one of the key reasons why AI is getting better and what it needs in order to be good is loads and loads of data. So if you as a, as a company have this system and it needs more data to be more intelligent, well, what better way than to just be like, well, let's just let people use it and yeah. send, us our, send, send us their data and we will provide them a service, but also we will build a better system. You basically crowdsource training your product exactly and that is only possible also because again computer performance the internet you know all of this stuff being able to easily do this kind of thing um you know has such an impact the way i sort of imagine the reason these companies are doing this sort of service of of allowing their very powerful and very impressive technologies to be used is sort of the same way of how like a games company would allow their engine to be used by other developers right like they make their primary money off of the engine and selling it and allowing people to use it but then when people do use it they'll often refine it and they'll often feed that back to the original creator and then they can then sell even better service and it's then you get the same engine that's been used for like 10, 15 years, but it's a completely different engine. Like, look at the source engine, you know, that's mm. sort of the idea. It's just constantly been improved upon. And that's a win-win for everybody then. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly like that, but you've got a machine that's doing the, you know, the refining essentially rather yeah. than a person. But you're exactly right. It's like get people to basically help you do it by by providing you with loads of information. Um, 
And yeah, I don't know. It's just like as a developer, that's really cool because it means that I can do more. Um, but also, obviously, it's really cool for, for Google as well or, or Apple or Microsoft or whoever. And so you can't really talk about this without thinking, well, what, you know, how is that going to affect things? You know, now, instead of artificial intelligence and machine learning being only in the hands of the Met Office or Google, now it's in the hands of, of anyone and any product and any company or, or even person can build upon these systems because they're now more generally available. And we're seeing it, right? We're seeing these things being introduced and these, these features, essentially, because that's what it becomes. It essentially becomes a feature of a service yeah. being embedded into so many more things. There are actually two real key industries that I think are really benefiting from artificial intelligence right now. One of them is finance. So I think banks and and sort of financial institutions are becoming so much more intelligent because of artificial intelligence, because mm -hmm. they have a lot of data about how people spend or how people live and stuff like that. And so you can see things like, um, like maybe your bank gives you advice about how much money to save or what your spending habits are like and makes suggestions about, well, you could save money here. Um, or you could, you know, spend less here or, or, you know, or you should be saving more because whatever. And that's down yeah. to here's all of the data about people's finances and how people behave. And we can use that and feed that into a system to make predictions about mm -hmm. person X. You know, you as an individual, we can predict what your finances are going to look like based on, you know, 60 million examples of people's yes. finances. And that's given the same information of like location, situation, etc. Yeah. And although it's not personally tailored, it is still tailored recommendations towards what would affect you. Yeah, because it kind of is personally tailored because it's based on, you know, observations about you specifically. Mm. It's taking your, all the inputs about you, like you say, like your location, like your spending habits, like what, you know, your interests, you know, it could be anything. Um, you know, all the data that they're collecting, they can then observe those patterns. You know, you said that earlier, right, about like the AI being able to detect patterns. That's key, I think, in finance, um, being able to detect patterns in, in data and in behavior mm -hmm. and then making decisions based on it. Um, and another one, so so one is finance and the other one I think is, is also healthcare. You know, but there's two real aspects to that. There's sort of the customer facing healthcare side of things. So being able to do differential diagnosis based on artificial intelligence mm, and sort yeah, of definitely. collecting inputs. Um, but also the research, right? Like being able to collect more data about um, genetics, about uh, cancer, about, you know, just sort of, you know, I'm not a, a medical research person, so I don't sort of fully understand the inputs, but you can well imagine that in medicine, there is a huge amount of data and a huge amount of sort of information about things that you can feed into these more sophisticated um, systems. And that's not necessarily, you're not necessarily going to use Google for that, um, but, you know, you are going to use um, deep learning and sort of these yeah, improvements the in, same in set algorithms. Of tools. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, I think those are the two sort of biggest places where we're going to see AI having an impact on our lives. And, you know, remember, you don't necessarily need to be scared about this because we're not talking about general, artificial general intelligence. We're talking about building algorithms that 
can be perceived to be very clever. They're not actually yes. clever. They're just no. making very good decisions based on a very, very large amount of data. And I think that that's key. That's really key to understanding the impacts that this is going to have. And if you ever want to see that in real time and you want to experience that effect, just go onto Google, Google search a musician that you're interested in or a brand of shoe that you want to buy. And I guarantee from then on your advertisements will be tailored for that. And that's still learning. That's that's AI. That's an algorithm working out that you're interested in that and then making decisions mm. about what other things you might be interested in by linking those together. And and same with things like your Spotify playlist, right? It knows what you like and it works out what else to suggest to you as well to keep you listening. Mm. 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 It, it's all it's all machine learning. It's all you feeding it data, it then coming back with decisions it's made about what it thinks is a good decision for you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And... I think there's still a lot more developments that we're going to see in this, um, it, you know, with this sort of generally available artificial intelligence. You know, we still need more. Some of these technologies still need more time. They still need more time to gather more data. You know, I actually um, one example I quite like is we talked a little bit about Google's image classifier, right? And being able mm -hmm. to classify, you know, you, you can upload an image and it can make a decision about what is in that image. Um, that sounds kind of boring, but there's all kinds of uses for that. Everything from accessibility, um, we, you know, in uh, Facebook now does this. You may not know this if you just if you're a fully sighted person using Facebook, but Facebook actually uses artificial intelligence to automatically caption images that are uploaded, so that if you're a blind person using Facebook, you can understand what is in an image because they've classified it for you and they can give, make a I caption. Didn't know that. And that direct example a few years ago. It, those captions would have been very generic. You know, it might have been like, um, if it was a photo, it might say this photo contains a skateboard, right? Um, but now, because we've collected more and more data and these systems have got better, that same system would now say, this is a photo of a girl doing a trick on a skateboard. Um, yeah. and, you know, it would be able to understand those things because it's collected more data. You know, it's still roughly the same underlying technology. It's just seen more photos of, of people on skateboards. <laughs> uh, and that's exactly the same set of systems and the same set of tools we've just discussed, just used in another different way. Yeah, exactly. And that same technology is then used to do self-driving cars, right? And the reason why self-driving yes. cars are becoming better and more of a thing is because they've got more data so they can more reliably make human style decisions like mm -hmm. swerving to avoid passengers um, pedestrians and stuff like that passengers passengers yeah not swerving to avoid passengers it's interesting like everything from the sort of improvements in in algorithms and in technology um to to the improvements in computer performance to the ability for people to use some of these technologies without necessarily having all of that mm. data and all of that stuff. And, you know, really, it's really kind of like lowering the barrier to machine oh, yeah, learning definitely. and artificial intelligence. And I think that that is where we then see the more interesting thing things come out, because now it's not just AI researchers in a computer science lab. It's now people with app ideas and startups yeah. you know thinking about that's, how you know it. how can i solve this problem for me in my particular niche now i have these whole new set of tools around machine learning i can solve these you know these problems that before i wouldn't have been able to solve without yeah. having supercomputers and being a researcher it, it, it's always a way of once something becomes 
accessible to the smaller, lower-end user, the more creative ideas are, are made because mm-hmm. you're now no longer kind of making something to achieve one particular goal a la the big companies would have been doing for, like, say, the Met Office. Let's use mm-hmm. the example again, you know. It's now, you know somebody who sat at their computer one night going wouldn't it be cool if i could do this and then doing it and then making this really wonderful idea that no one's thought about using these tools that are now available to them exactly you you go back even five ten years ago they wouldn't been able to do at all to give you an example um i one of one of my friends in inverted commas um is a 10 year old um and she is a (laughs) she's a coder she writes code she's a developer and she can use the libraries that Apple make available to do image classification. So she can build apps for phones that classify images. And it's like, that's a 10-year-old. Like, yeah. that, that ten, like you don't need to understand exactly what's going on. You don't need to be a researcher. You can just use those generally available systems to mm-hmm. build upon and to build really useful things. Okay, classifying images is, is not in itself useful. but What the applications that has is. Right, exactly. And, you know, and now you can be a 10-year-old and do that. You don't have to be, a, you know, a researcher with a PhD. Yeah. Like you say, it's lowering the bar. It's, it's lowering that that gate to be able to start using these tools to do really interesting and innovative innovative things exactly and that's that's why it's exciting you know like although it's already having an effect on our lives you're going to find it's going to have even more of an effect on our lives in the coming years because of how much more accessible it is to people who have these really interesting creative ideas and there's definitely a question there around the responsibility that people building those things that are making decisions is the key thing there is about when you start to have machines making decisions, whose responsibility is it? You know, it, mm. who, who, who is responsible for that decision that was made? And, you know, when you're building those systems that are making judgments, you know, how do you make sure that the system you're building is going to make good judgments free from bias and free from things that you introduce as the person building that yeah um, and that is absolutely for a future episode of octal fm absolutely like we've already touched on it slightly with the idea of the self-driving car you know mm. if a self-driving car does make a decision to run over one pedestrian to avoid others whose decision was that was that the decision of the car or was it the manufacturer or was it the ai developer or was it the driver who who takes responsibility right. for it and one of the things about ai is that a lot of the time you know with that learning with machine learning you know you feed in 10,000 images for it to classify the difference between a teddy bear and a real bear and we said earlier you can build a system that does that and it does that classification, but you don't really know what it's looking for. You've not told no. it what a teddy bear is and it doesn't know what a teddy bear is. It has somehow worked it out. And the only way that you can tell if it can do it or not is how successful it is in the future. But you still mm-hmm. don't really know what it's doing. You can't actually say, oh, well, here's why, you know, like here's why it said that this was a bear, you know, because you don't... It, underneath it it's kind of just a bunch of numbers yeah just a load of ones and zeros it's a very different kind of intelligence to humans and i think that that is a really interesting topic as well around that sort of ethics and and sort of understanding and and having accountability for what these algorithms are doing 
Um, that's kind of a, a sort of sinister note to end the episode on. A little on. bit, a little um, bit. But I think it's, it's an interesting topic for future. Um, and if you've enjoyed this episode and you've enjoyed us sort of talking about AI and machine learning and really sort of diving into it and sort of talking about it, I guess, in, in, in fairly straightforward terms, you know, when we're trying to avoid being a bit hypey about it and really just more talking about, well, yeah, but why? Like, why is this what a thing is. right now? Exactly. And if you've enjoyed this, then you should definitely get in touch with us. Um, we'd love to do some more episodes about this kind of thing. You can email us. We're show at octal.fm. How else can people get hold of us? Uh, you can tweet at us uh, at octal.fm. Yep. And you can also get us our Facebook page. That's uh, always a good one, too. Absolutely. It's just, again, it's just octal.fm. It is. We'll put some links up to uh, some of the notes and some of the kind of sources we use for the episode yes. as well, because I found them really interesting to read. Yes, definitely. Uh, We've got a big coming list. Coming from almost a, a zero-knowledge background, uh, it was very useful for me to to kind of give that for some reading and really kind of learn the differences between the different styles and everything. So if you found what we said really interesting, but maybe like some bits of it went over your head because we didn't explain it very well or because we just kind of glossed over it, Check out the links in the episode description uh, and that will give you a little bit more reading to do. Absolutely. Go go away and read some of that if you found this interesting. Um, and yeah, in the meantime, I have been Gelada. And I have been Seferin. And catch us again for another episode of Octal FM very soon. Maybe our next one will be generated by a machine. Well, here's hoping the podcast AI overlords decide to promote this episode for oh, us. Oh, yeah, very true. Very true. <laughs>